can't believe we've been doing this for like what almost four years yeah it's wild wild man all right it's 133 so it's your turn to start motherfucker oh my tummy is crampy today Oh, were you about to start? No, I was going to try to play off of what you just said oh. to like start the episode because <laughs> I thought it was funny. It's 1.33, so it's your turn to start, motherfucker. And it's 1.33, and it's my turn to start, so hi. Hi. This is I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm Amanda. That's Christina. You ready to talk about true crime? Because that's what we do. So yeah. if you stumbled upon this, that's I hope you're prepared. That's the, that's the whole shtick. It's very, and we did, it's, we get deep into things. Balls and it's deep. uncomfortable. Sounds sometimes. fun, right? Not always. Not always. Uh, Christina, yeah. how are you? I'm fine. Sweet. Well, <laughs> that gives you a lot to you go a story? Right? No. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it. Just fucking living my life, still dealing with medical crap so story of my goddamn life any any idea as to what if is any of the like deduction trying different things working to figure out what is causing pain no 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 (laughs) No. well they they think i have endometriosis for sure Mm -hmm. and they don't think the birth control is working yeah and he was worried i was hemorrhaging on like thursday Jesus, Marian Joseph. But I wasn't. Just a long ass period. Yeah, I've been menstrual raging for like 15 days. <laughs> and so I called him and I was like, is this normal? And he's like, no, absolutely not. How long has this been going on? And I was like, I'm on day, like when I called him, it was day 13. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not normal. And I'm like, I was well, like, especially when you're on birth control, like I was it like, gets I lighter and shorter. I know and I was like I don't know if it's just my body being weird and getting used to it or like what is happening and he's like are you like lightheaded and dizzy and I was like no I mean it's not any more than it normally is it's just lasting a really long time and I'm crampy all the time and he's like "Mm, okay well call me on Monday don't do anything strenuous strenuous like if it gets worse or you start getting lightheaded, immediately call 911. Like, I'm like, okay. That's, it's so funny. Cause like my menstrual rages always last between like eight and 12 days. Well, and if that's normal for you, like if that's how it's always been since you started, um, but mine are usually like five to seven. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. That's why I had to go on birth control before. But now I've started getting like really bad headaches and I don't know if it's the birth control or could be, could be. That's why I can't use birth control anymore. I went on birth control before and then they were like, oh, we can't do hormonal birth control because that's what causes my aura migraines that I get. And by causes it and makes them happen more. Yeah. And so, but I'm not doing like the, I'm like, I'm not putting anything in my body, like a device, because I don't know how my body's going to react to it. So, right. And that's the only thing I could do was it was like the NuvaRing or the IUD was my options because it was localized mm-hmm. in comparison. So I don't know, man, all this stuff. And now I'm just like free balling it, 
free ball my dog and my hormones you know dog and your hormones man <laughs> um oh that was period corner for yeah, all you male well, listeners you're welcome yeah, <laughs> you know what they're fine it's a fact of life if you're planning to have sex you should be aware of how the woman's reproductive system works and how it's not fun if you have any contact with women you should be aware of how shitty it is to be a woman like um 60 percent of the time yep i was like i'm going no. high 73 percent of the time i was going mm, we got a week so that's mm, and 25 percent, and then the weeks between that that's yeah 75 ish yeah 70 I, I went 73 i didn't want to go a full three quarter but <laughs> yeah we have we have ourselves uh one week of solitude of not feeling crampy and disgusting mm-hmm. and then it and sometimes again. sometimes we don't even get that so nope. go fuck yourself nope uh, she's menstrual raging for two weeks so two give her weeks. sorry give her a break she <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't know why she's mad she's just mad they know not what they do okay <laughs> <laughs> oh shit well i'm glad that they're like not not figuring it out but like getting to where they can find like why some symptoms maybe are happening and you're supposed to call tomorrow so you'll find right yeah so you'll find out if what you're supposed to do from there for this part of things so you know there's it's a slow progression forward but it's moving forward i have both dogs just sitting here staring at me and they were like why are you talking about a period on a podcast go lay down shoo Hey, hey, I can't concentrate when you're staring at me. (laughs) You're making me nervous. (laughs) Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. How are you? How's life? Uh, It's fine. Uh, I gotta tell you, did I tell, did that happen this week? I can't remember. Maybe last week, the poop story at work. Since we had period corner, figure we can have also poop corner. No, you didn't tell me the poop story. So I have been working in the young preschool room which is like two and a half to three-year-olds so some of them are still potty training and in diapers some of them are in underwear whatever mm-hmm. right so we're outside <laughs> and one of the little boys runs up to me and goes miss amanda there's poop on the stairs and i was like excuse me what <laughs> i was like well where did it come from he goes i don't know a butt i guess <laughs> I was like uh okay and then he ran away and I was like wait was this at your house was this here like is this a story that's happening or a story that's from your house so then I like am going to make my rounds to see if I can see anything and as I'm walking around the girl that we're training she's shadowing walks around the opposite way of the playground so I'm coming Mm -hmm. this way she's coming this way and she kind of like makes this weird face and she goes uh oh I was like is it poop it's poop isn't it (laughs) she goes i i think so (laughs) she's like how did you know i was like brett already told me (laughs) (laughs) so some kid just dropped trowel and took a shit on the steps um no some kid had diarrhea in their diaper and it exploded out the top oh no it was everywhere and we had to like check all the other kids to make sure they didn't sit in it and whatnot it was a good time that's a good gross. time, good time, but it was hilarious. I don't know, a butt, I guess. It's like my favorite story from this year so far. Know. A butt, I guess. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that marvelous description. Thank you. But 
just been chugging along. I feel like my eyes are. You're squinty today. Well, they're very poofy. I think that the smoke from the fire last night really like did a number on them. They look like I'm having my allergy. You're squinty today. I don't know what to tell you. I'm looking looking puffy as shit. That's Listen, I'm puffy today, all right? <laughs> what kind of a story did you bring today? Oh, it's all the all of it. All every all, all the things. All the things combined into one really terrible story. Straight out of a horror movie. Ooh, good, good. Are you excited? I actually yes. I'm just excited to be back to doing this like regularly again between like actually talking to you and putting my focus into something when I'm like researching and stuff. It's been kind of nice. All right. I'm not going to give a title to this because I don't know how to not how to. So it's fine. Okay. Uh, So on May 15th, 2005, Brenda Groney, her boyfriend, Mark McKenzie and Brenda's three of five children slade 13 shasta 8 and dylan 9 had a like a bonfire barbecue um with neighbors and friends late into the evening at their remote country home called wolf lodge on the outskirts of coeur idaho okay so the next morning their neighbor heard their dogs barking incessantly and thought it was out of the ordinary he also had been meaning to pay slade for some mowing he had done for him okay the week before so he's like hear the dogs barking i owe slade some money anyway i'm gonna just go check and make sure everything's okay right uh he found the front door ajar with blood on it and he thought there had been an accident so he went in and saw more blood and immediately called the police you imagine like just stepping into your like neighbor slash friend's house or to Mm -hmm. their house and just seeing blood on their door right instantly just heart falling out of your butt i can't wow okay go ahead so when the police entered the house they discovered the bodies of brenda groney 40 her boyfriend mark mckenzie 37 and their 13 year old son slade brenda and mark were er, were bound with hands and feet covered in blood slade was curled up next to his mother with his hands bound also covered in blood uh after the initial shock the first question was where were shasta and dylan oh yeah okay so after police combed the house and confirmed the children were not there, as well as confirming they were not with their father, uh, they began searching the woods surrounding the house, hoping the children had like escaped and just ran into the woods. Mm-hmm. So then on May 17th, the following day, an Amber Alert was issued after authorities found nothing in search of the area because it was like a very remote wooded area. So they had to like do like a thorough search of all the right. woods before they wanted to like an intense grid search of the woods they brought the kid's father in for questioning so the divorce for steven and brenda steven is the father's name um it was not like super amicable i think that was like it was like a normal divorce you know there was some controversy some fighting but for the most part the older kids chose to live with Steven and the younger kids wanted to stay with Brenda. So they just. Okay. So it was relatively like. Right. And they were normal. Right. And it, I mean, they were amicable, amicable enough that uh, Steven was actually staying with Brenda's mother while he was trying to get back on his feet after some 
okay. know, was financial or legal trouble or something. Something happened. Right. But he was actually staying with Brenda's mom. Okay. And she like corroborated that he was at home that night in, yeah. his, in his room. Right. He didn't go anywhere. He was here. Right. Okay. And so he passed a polygraph and the police then announced they were looking for Robert Roy Lutner, who was 33 of Hayden, Idaho, who was a person of interest. And he was like kind of a known about town, kind of rough around the edges, but friends mm. with Mark and um, just kind of another person that there was some witnesses that were people that had come come to the bonfire barbecue that night before and said that they had witnessed an altercation or a possible altercation between him and Mark. Oh, gotcha. So authorities went to question Robert and he had told his mother abruptly that he'd be gone for a while and left that night. Um, so that's weird. Again, kind of suspicious. Mm-hmm. But however, just a day later, Robert basically heard on the news that he was a suspect, turned around and drove back to Coeur d'Alene and turned himself in. Oh, so it was just shitty timing. Right. (laughs) So he passed a polygraph test. He also stated there was no altercation that night. So whatever they, the witnesses had possibly seen, it was maybe just like a mis, they misconstrued kind of what was happening. Basically, he had owed Mark a couple thousand dollars and was paying him back that night. Gotcha. So there wasn't really any issue and then he would gone to his mom's and said he was going to like montana or something for like a couple weeks and just decided to take off like that night and god how terrible would that be and then right and he, out I mean, that it was, they're like all he's of the on news, the lamb he ran yeah. away right and all of the news stories were like he's a person of interest blah 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 and he found out and he like immediately came back <laughs> and i was watching this interview or the documentary with him in it and he's like i was i didn't care like as soon as like, I just wanted them to find Shasta and Dylan because I wanted to know right. what happened. Like, he was my friend. Like, I want to know right. what happened to him. So if I oh, could do and, anything to... And clearly he cares about those kids, too, because he's his friend and, you know... Right. So it's like, so they're still out there, we got to find them. So it's not me. Let's look in the next direction. Right. Um, with that, the police had little to go on. Um, I believe there was some DNA on the scene, but the autopsies, autopsies determined the cause of death to be blunt force trauma to the head from what they assume was the bloody hammer they found in the house. Oh, hammer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, seven weeks of exhaustive searches later and Shasta and Dylan had not been found. Seven weeks? Seven weeks. Okay. Uh, then on July 2nd, 2005, a manager at the Coeur d'Alene uh, local Denny's called the local sheriff's office claiming that Shasta was sitting in the restaurant with an unknown man. Okay. Uh, the waitress basically said that she saw her and remembered her from like all of the news. Po- po- there was like billboards and right. broadcasts and they were basically their only goal was to keep her face and the, their faces in the news like as much as possible which makes sense right so she recognized her but thought she looked very dirty and like would not look at the waitress in the eye would not like talk or make oh i hate this i hate everything that's going to come with this i bet yes okay so uh she kind of stalled them she asked her what kind of milkshake she wanted went and got her milkshake kind of like just took a long time to get the milkshake and then he said Mm -hmm. i want the check and she's like okay, I'll go get that. And then acted like the printer wasn't working on the register and just 
basically stalled until the police got there. Mm-hmm. And um, when the police walked in, she Shasta actually finally looked at the waitress and she said, tell them who you are. And Shasta looked right at the cops and said, I'm Shasta Groney. Mm-hmm. And they immediately grabbed her. And then the man with Shasta was Joseph Edward Duncan III. Joseph Edward Duncan III. Never trust a man with three names. Three first names. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So the police immediately brought him in um, and brought Shasta, who was filthy, to the Kulai Medical Center, where they had to rush her into re- surgery to repair damage from the repeated brutal rapes that she had suffered over the last seven uh, years. And how old is this part? Eight. Eight years old? Yes. It's uh, awful. I can't, I can't deal with this right now. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So when Shasta Grony was found without Dylan, authorities held little hope of finding the boy alive. Uh-huh. Uh, police asked the public for tips, specifically with respect to the sightings of the stolen red Jeep Cherokee with the Missouri license plate that John... Edward Duncan was driving. Joseph Edward Duncan was driving. I'm just going to call him Duncan from here on out because I don't have Duncan. time to yell three names. Um, authorities discovered that Duncan had rented the car in uh, in Minnesota and had never returned it. A gas station employee in Kellogg, Minnesota, or in Co- Kellogg, Idaho. I'm sorry. There's a oh, Kellogg, I was, like, I was like Kellogg. There's only like 500 people who live there. That's wild. Okay. <laughs> About 40 miles east of Coeur d'Alene, recognized the vehicle as one that had stopped at her station hours before Duncan was arrested. The employee suspected the girl wandering around the station might have been Shasta, but did not confront her, as nothing appeared out of the ordinary. Mm. Uh, the employee and her manager notified authorities after reviewing surveillance camera footage and identifying Duncan and Shasta in the video. Okay. So I hate doing this, but I feel like it's important. So this fuck was born uh, in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He was the fourth of five children born to Joseph Edward Duncan Jr. and Lillian Mae Duncan. He had three older sisters and a younger brother. He w- Dunk- His father was in the army. And because of this, the family moved from city to city, like throughout the United States, where he and then he retired to Tacoma, Washington. Okay. His mother was described as domineering woman. And although Duncan claimed after being arrested in 1980 to have been abused as a child, his younger brother disputed this. Mm. But she was also very religious. So it was very strict religious upbringing. Mm. Okay. However, Duncan had a very long history as a violent sexual offender. He committed his first recorded sex crime in 1978 in Tacoma, Washington, when he was 15 years old. In that incident, he raped a nine-year-old boy. Jeez Louise. The following year, he was arrested for driving a stolen car. He was sentenced as a juvenile and sent to Dislin's Boys Ranch in Tacoma, where, according to a report... He told therapist who was assigned to his case that he had bound and sexually assaulted six boys. Yuck. I hate he that. I hate everything. Told the therapist he had estimated that he had raped 13 younger boys by the time he was 16. 16? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in 1980, Duncan stole a number of guns from a neighbor and then abducted a 14-year-old boy at, and raped him at gunpoint. God, what a fucker. 
He was sentenced to 20 years in prison for this crime, but was released on parole in 1994 after serving only 14. While out on parole, uh, he lived in several places in the Seattle area and was arrested again in 1996, this time for pot use, and then was released on parole several weeks later with new restrictions. Uh, He was arrested then in Missouri and returned to prison in 1997 after violating the terms of his parole. But then he was released from prison on July 14th of 2000 with time off for good behavior and moved to Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. So then in March of 2005, he was charged with the July 2004 molestation of two boys on a playground in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Oh. On April 5th, he appeared before the judge who set his bail at $15,000. Only $15,000. A businessman with whom Duncan had become acquainted helped him post bail. Then Duncan skipped bail and disappeared. Uh, And then uh, they issued a federal warrant for his arrest on June 1st uh, on the charge of unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, but doesn't do you any good if you can't find him. Right. Uh. So immediately upon police questioning, Duncan refused questioning and asked for an attorney. So police had no choice but to ask Shasta to relive the last seven weeks of torture to determine what had happened. Uh, And what she told them is straight out of a horror movie. I can imagine. So on May 15th, 2005, after the bonfire, Shasta, who was laying in her bed, thought she saw someone in her bedroom closet. Oh, I hate that. Okay. Frightened, she called for her nine-year-old brother Dylan, who crawled into bed with her. So she they, and they fell asleep together. It's a sleepover, so she felt better. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. A few hours later, Shasta told investigators that her mother came into her and Dylan or into her room and woke her and Dylan, saying someone is in the house. They then went into the living room where she saw Duncan wearing black gloves and holding a gun with night vision goggles on dude the man had already tied up her stepfather mark and her brother slade who were bound on the floor he then tied up her mother and directed the kids to go outside where he bound both dylan and shasta by the hands and feet at the foot of a tree he then entered re-entered the house where shasta claimed she heard loud thumping noises i'm okay then (laughs) you should be then shasta saw her injured older brother slade staggering slash running away from the entrance to the home or the back of the home so he must have gotten loose his feet yeah and was running through the yard he had been bleeding and he yelled for them to run but they couldn't because they were tied she said she then saw duncan beat her brother with a hammer until he collapsed on the ground and then duncan put shasta and dylan in the car so it is believed that slade woke up Mm mm-hmm basically crawled back into the house which is why the front door was open and had blood on it had blood on it yeah curled up next to his mother and died yeah i am wow okay so i'm not okay yeah it's it's not making a, me well up it's awful um duncan then put shasta and dylan in the car and took them to a remote mountain cabin like campsite Okay. Where he repeatedly molested and tortured them for six weeks. Oh my god. 
Uh, she said that they drove a long distance, stayed in two different campsites where Duncan told her of how he beat her family members to death with a hammer and that they should call him Joe, Daddy, or Jet, which was his prison husband's nickname for him. Oh my God. Okay. They were kept separated most of the time and they were only allowed to see each other when he went for more supplies. He would chain them both like to a tree, but far enough away from each other that they couldn't help each other, but so they could talk. And Shasta said that she promised her brother they would get out alive. Oh my gosh. Well, that's gotta be a weird cloud that hangs over your head the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. When investigators asked Shasta what happened to Dylan, she confirmed their worst fears. Shasta was standing on the other side of like the Jeep when she heard a loud boom. She then ran to the other side of the Jeep where she saw Dylan lying on the ground screaming. Duncan was apparently had been digging through a clear plastic box looking for a beer when a shotgun that was also kept in the box went off hitting Dylan in the stomach is according to that's what Duncan says happened. And Shasta oh. says she just remembers hearing the sound like a loud boom there. and then yeah. seeing her brother laying on the ground basically holding his insides in right so she's like i don't know what actually happened right but this is the story that he told me but then Ugh. she um saw duncan put the shotgun to dylan's head and pulled the trigger but it failed to go off so while dylan begged duncan not to kill him duncan reloaded the shotgun put it to the boy's head and pulled the trigger okay uh, Dylan was killed instantly, and according to Shasta, immediately after killing Dylan, Duncan started crying and told her that he only killed him to put him out of his misery. Okay. So then, days after killing D- Dylan, Duncan asked her, do you want me to shoot you, or would you rather I strangle you to death? Oh my gosh. And after having seen the horrific way her brother was murdered, she chose strangulation, hoping actually that she would be able to talk him out of it. Right. Okay. Duncan proceeded to wrap a rope around her neck and pull it tight. However, Shasta begged Duncan to stop using his nickname Jet. And for the first time, he immediately did. Wow. So she said, Jet, Jet, please stop. And he immediately released the rope. Eight years old. And she thought yeah mm-hmm. oh my wow okay i'm so just then, like flabbergasted right so then it was something about her use of that nickname he told her they felt he felt like they were meant and he wanted her to meet his mother and family she said that she would like that as long as she could take he would take her back to Coeur d'Alene so she could show him her school and her favorite places in town smart which is when they stopped at the Denny's restaurant and she was rescued. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So on July 4th of 2005, investigators found human remains at a remote makeshift campsite in Lolo National Forest near St. Regis, Montana. The remains were sent to the FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia for DNA testing and were positively identified as those of Dylan Groney. Mm. So Duncan's arrest led to the FBI to launch a nationwide review of unsolved missing child cases. He was implicated at a possible suspect in several crimes that occurred between 94 and 97 and between 2000 and 2005. Although he was cleared as a suspect in some cases, authorities in California and Washington have enough evidence to believe Duncan had committed unsolved murders in their jurisdictions. Wow. Okay. 
So on April 4th of 1997, 10-year-old Anthony Michael Martinez was playing with friends in the front yard of his home in Beaumont, California, when an unknown man approached the group asking to help find a missing cat. When the boys refused, the man grabbed Martinez at knife point and threw him into his vehicle. After a two-week search, Martinez's body was found nude and partially decomposed in Indio, California. Investigators noted that he had been sexually assaulted and bound with duct tape. And then, although a composite sketch of the suspect was made available and partial fingerprints taken, the case eventually went cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. In 2005, bloggers noted simila- similarities between Duncan and the composite sketch in the Martinez vehicle or Martinez case, as well as between Duncan's vehicle and the one Martinez's assault assailant was driving. So they. Uh, FBI became involved and in turn contacted the authorities and they basically tied the two together and confirmed that Duncan and then Duncan confessed to the murder in an interview in July 19th of 2005. Okay. He described it as revenge against society again for sending him back to jail for a probation violation. I'm sorry. You broke the law after being a molester nastiness and you're mad because you were sent back. Okay, whatever. Right. After her rescue, Shasta told investigators Duncan had told her about other crimes he had committed, including the Martinez murder and the 1996 murder of Sammy Joe White, 11, and her half-sister Carmen Cubias, 9, who vanished in July 9th, 6th of 1996. After leaving the Crest Motel in Seattle, their skeletal remains were found on February 10th, 1998 in Bothell, Washington. Duncan confessed to beating the two girls to death. Wow. Okay. Um, so Duncan was, let me see. So he actually was, had three different trials for all of these different cases. Okay. So in the... Idaho trial on October 16th, 2006, shortly after jury selection began, um, he reached a plea bargain with Duncan. He pled guilty to all state charges against him and was immediately sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole for the kidnapping charges. Um, And then sentencing on the murder charges was continued and pending was continued pending the outcome of the federal trial on kidnapping and murder charges. So basically the judge said, I'm not sentencing you on these murder trials until after the federal, because if Uh, you're given the death penalty in the federal, I'll give you a life sentence. But if you're not given the death penalty in the federal trial, you're getting a death penalty. Then then we're going to send you to death. Right. Uh, Then federal trial on December 3rd of 2007, Duncan pled guilty to all 10 charges against him as a condition of the agreement. Shasta Groney would not have to testify in the penalty phase of the trial. Mm. And due to a gag order, other details of the plea agreement were not released. Okay. Uh, jury selection for the penalty phase for Duncan's federal trial began on April 14th of 2008. Um, during jury selection, Duncan dismissed his attorneys and chose to represent himself because that's what all narcissists do. Yep, because all the smartest people are the ones who think that they don't need any help. Uh, his attorneys objected, asserting he was not competent to do so. However, the court ordered an evaluation and he was determined to be competent to make that decision um they also tried to uh keep out videos because he recorded himself torturing dylan and they showed that in the court they 
uh, how would they keep those out? How? How would well, they be said it was too graphic or too something that they didn't want to show the jury. And well, I mean, yes, it is graphic, but like, oh my god. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, on December or August of two thousand and uh, August twenty seventh, two thousand and eight, after three hours of deliberation, the jury recommended the death penalty, and the judge imposed three death sentences for kidnapping resulting in death, sexual exploitation of a child resulting in death, and use of a firearm in a violent crime resulting in death all related to the death of Dylan. Okay. On November 3rd, 2008, Duncan was sentenced to an additional three consecutive terms of life without parole in federal prison for kidnapping Shasta and for sexual abusing Shasta and Dylan. Okay. The jurors who imposed the death penalty on Duncan were offered major counseling in order for them to cope with the horrific evidence they had to see during the trial. Mm-hmm. Part of the evidence viewed in court was a 33-minute video depicting a nude Duncan torturing, physically and verbally assaulting, and sexually abusing a nude, restrained boy identified as Dylan Groney. I, I can't. I have no words. There's um, some of the other evidence. I'm not going to. There was some parts. Yeah. That I, I'm not going to go into it because it's just it's it's terrible. But more, um, yeah, it's more than needed. Some of the other evidence was a wire noose and other videos of Duncan continued to torture Dylan, basically. In one of the videos, um, Dylan could be heard screaming in pain while a naked Duncan shouted, the devil is here, boy, the devil himself. The devil likes to watch children suffer and cry. Oh my, wow. Okay, Mm -hmm. gross. Um, In California, he was pled guilty to the Martinez murder and was sentenced to two life terms without the possibility of parole or right to appeal. Uh, in 2016, Shasta Groney started a petition called Slade and Dylan's Law in honor of her two brothers whom Duncan murdered. In the petition description, she stated that the convicted sex offenders should not be let out of jail. They would effectively mean that the three-strike rule for violent sex offenders be reduced to one strike, but the petition was closed and it never yeah. went further. Um, in October of 2020, Duncan underwent brain surgery after he was diagnosed with a geoblastoma. He declined any treatment and rejected chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, and he died on March 28th, 2021 at the age of 58. Good motherfucker. Uh, Shasta was quoted as saying when asked about his death, one thing is for sure, he does not exist anymore. Now we can live our lives knowing that for so long, I have been struggling with hate towards that man. Today, I woke up feeling like my soul was finally free. I hope the other people affected by Joseph Duncan were able to wake up feeling the same way. Mm. Um, And she suffered some setbacks. I know there were some drug issues with meth and things like that. Well, I mean, there's a lot that she's was having to deal with and slash is having to deal with. But she now lives in the Boise area with her husband, Michael, and four children. And she was expecting to give birth to her fifth child in August. Oh, gee, that's a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. Well, good for her. Good for you. Good for you. I'm just, is this like a documentary or a docuseries? Because I feel like... They're they're in on uh, Discovery. Uh-huh. There is a uh, People Investigates documentary that's like two hours long that just came out last Monday. Okay, yeah, because I was like, this 
should be if it's not because yeah. this is such a harrowing story mm-hmm. it's like literally everything true crime it's mm-hmm. child it's kidnapping it's murder it's i survived it's yeah it's got like bits and pieces so while you were talking i had to look up this stupid ass duncan guy yeah so that I- come here i gotta show you something he looks That's like what- he would have salad fingers um yeah and then i see his uh mugshot from when he was a kid when he first had his sexual mm-hmm. at like what 14 15 yeah fucking weird don't like it dude the part where she thought someone was in her closet i know that creeps me out right straight out of a fucking horror movie and like and same with her, her brother coming running through the yard covered in blood yeah i'm like and calls for her brother to come and he just comes in and they take a they have a sleepover so that she feels better mm-hmm. oh no i don't like it don't like it she's real pretty though holy smokes yeah now that she's like cleaned up and mm-hmm. look at you guys oh how weird okay i gotta stop looking at these pictures because then i'm just gonna describe all the pictures i see on google from so looking i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna need a minute sorry in a minute i'm gonna need a cinnamon roll men or woman to pump me up i like the cinnamon roll better (laughs) i'm gonna need a cinnamon roll (laughs) or the nap ones yeah i'm gonna need a nap (laughs) i need a i'm gonna need a okay (laughs) sorry i'm gonna tell you about krista pike krista pike nope okay i was like god i hope not because watch it be that one that you're like wait we've already done that once we've covered that we did that once i hate i hate the fact that i can't remember everything that we cover but at the same time we're on episode 133 and it's like um, I spent like all of last night trying to like rack my brain because it he sound his name the story did not sound familiar, mm-hmm. but the name sounded familiar when you first said it. I was like, and I'm like, I feel like I know this, but I didn't know that. Right, that's my and, point. Is I was like, the name there's got to be another that has a similar name. Well, and then I looked up his picture and I was like, yeah, definitely haven't like because that's usually when I figure out if I've right it or not is the exactly when i'm like making the posts and stuff to decide which is the best to toss up there you know yeah um but i'm going to tell you about krista pike it's a weird it's just an interesting story so uh krista pike was born premature on march 10th 1976 in west virginia Uh, When she was younger, her mother worked multiple jobs and they spent little to no time together. She had left her with her grandma for a while who was abusive and a heavy drinker. Um, This was the mom's mom. And uh, her uh, mom was just like a mess. Literally, her aunt said that there were times that she would come to visit them and Krista would be crawling next to things like dog poop, just lived in filth and nastiness, okay? Uh, There was a time that Christina lived with her parental grandmother. Is it Christina? Krista. Okay. Did I say Christina? Christina? I'm looking at your face. This might be interesting. If I, I, after all this, I start calling her just Pike. 
so it'll be better. <laughs> um, but backstory, Krista. So she, there was a while she lived with her paternal grandmother, who was like everything that you would want in a grandma and pretty much her only um, outlet to having someone who cared about her and expected things of her and you know yeah um and that went on for a little bit but then when Krista was 12 her that grandma died and with that she began to like act out and self-mutilate and Mm -hmm. she attempted to overdose at like the age of 13 um Pike dropped out of high school at some point I couldn't find exactly when and began to party all the time and sometimes with her mom it sounded like her mom started like drinking with her and was being more of the friend mom than the mom mom when she was having a hard time um Krista and some friends got into some trouble when they attempted to do a a beanie bacon and eggs bacon and eggs um break and enter And her mom basically said, okay, enough is enough and sent her to uh, Job Corps because at the time Job Corps was a program that the government would help uh, impoverished youth and troubled teens get trained into some sort of a um, vocational job. Yeah. Yeah. So she sent her there to do the nursing program. Uh, she would attend job corps in Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's kind of where our main story is going to take over. Okay. Um, but right around this time when she started going there, she started seeing this guy named to Daryl Pike to Daryl to Daryl. Yeah. I looked it up multiple times for different people and how they said it. And it's to Daryl. I was like today (laughs) sorry right no it's fine because he's kind of a shit okay cool just like Krista oh kind of a shit yeah we'll we'll get into it so he was a year younger than Krista and to Daryl's family moved around a lot uh or moved around when he was in his teens and it's like he went from having A's to all of a sudden he was failing out of his classes acting up whatever so I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was moving away from his friends or something just made him get to the point where he was like now I need to rebel uh he also got into things like satanism and the occult and devil worshipy stuff all those weird like not witchy things but witchy things Mm -hmm. um and at 16 they sent him to the job corp center to in lieu of like military school, right? Okay. So they sent him there so he could get training for some sort of a job because he dropped out as well. Uh, they became interested in the occult together even more, the two of them. Krista was a very jealous and territorial girl. So from everything I read and saw and listened to, it sounds like she was exclusively into to Daryl, but to Daryl, was not exclusively into her whether it was that she assumed that they were together or that they were actually together and he was having external extracurricular type of things happening with other people yeah so I couldn't peg down if they were like actually together or if they were seeing each other and she was like Mm -hmm. wanting it to be a exclusive thing so 
that's all the background I'm going to go into with those two for right now. And let's jump into January 13th, 1995, Friday the 13th, a groundskeeper on a property in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, comes across the body of a young woman after Mm -hmm. seeing a jacket and a shirt hanging in the tree above her. Oh, no. At first, he thought that he had run across like an injured animal or something because there was just so much blood and he couldn't tell what it was. But as soon as he got close enough and he realized it was a woman, he called the police. Don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When the cops got there, they found a partially nude woman. Um, She had multiple wounds like she was tore up um, around her body and it looked like she had maybe been tortured. (sighs) She had a pentagram carved on her chest. Of course she did. Clearly, this was a murder. Mm -hmm. Uh, The woman had no ID on her. She was wearing sneakers and jeans, and then along with the clothes that were hanging in the tree. But there was no identification inside of those pockets at all. So first task at hand, they need to ID who this is. Mm -hmm. They check the missing persons, nothing. Um, They went to the university that was nearby, the University of Tennessee, nothing um they asked like has anybody been missing classes like looking at their attendance stuff and it didn't lead them anywhere so they made an appeal to the public with the description of the woman that they found and the description was you know blonde blue eyes between 19 20 years old and then her outfit she was wearing Mm -hmm. uh they did get a call from a random parent from this of a student that goes to the job corp in town and this mom said okay so my daughter has been talking about these other kids in her classes that make her really nervous they seem to be obsessed with the occult and the devil and they didn't put out that there was a pentagram on the chest and she basically ended the call being like I don't know if this has anything to do with it but it's a new development with us and it's in the same area so you know, let me know. And they mm-hmm. were like, ding, ding, ding. Who are the these pentagram? Kids? Who are these kids that are talking about the devil and the occult? So they go to the job corp, obviously. Mm-hmm. And detectives ask the people there, they're like, hey, has anybody been like missing classes? Anybody not attending? Whatever. They're like, no, everything seems fine. But we do have like a log where they have to check in and out because it's like a you live on campus kind of situation, do your training for six months to nine months, whatever it may be. And then you can leave, but to keep track because these kids mostly not, not all, but mostly are, have a hard time with certain things mm-hmm. or have had a rough life. Um, we kind of keep logs of who goes in and out. So we kind of keep tra- tabs as well as we can. Cause a lot of them are like 16, 17, 18. It's right. not like adults. You're not an adult, but you're not quite a kid. Exactly. So the police look at this log and they did find that the day before there were four students that checked out and then only three of them checked back in. Mm. So they're like, okay, the one missing is Colleen Slemmer. Okay. Let me tell you about Colleen. Colleen was from Orange Park, Florida. She was born September 20th of 1975. She was super close with her family. Their parent, like her parents separated and then both remarried. Her mom 
remarried a man named Raul Martinez and Colleen got into computer games because of Raul. Like that's what they did um, together to bond. And so she like titled herself a computer nerd after that. Mm -hmm. And so Colleen got, um, Colleen dropped out of school in the ninth grade. She was just one of those kids that had a really hard time with like just school stuff later on when talking about the issues she had, it seems that she had some sort of like a learning disability, like dyslexia or something that was causing it that she couldn't keep up with things. Right. Um, but at the time it was, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, they kind of were like, Oh, you're just, you get stacked up on and now you can't get out. Sorry. Uh, so she loved kids. She'd babysit often. She volunteered to help children at the school that were having a hard time with their homework. Like she was very smart and very thoughtful. It was just school did not work for her Mm -hmm. when she was younger. Um, she would work in the service industry at different like waitressing jobs and things. And she decided she just wanted more. And so she went to job court voluntarily for a computer training course in Knoxville, Tennessee, that wasn't available to the job corp that was closer to her. Uh, It was a six month course. So she was just going to move to Tennessee and then move back to Florida. That was her plan. Go do it and then come back. She left in September of 1994. Uh, This job corp wasn't exactly what she expected. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very different than she thought she was like, from what I read and what her family has said, it seems like she was expecting more of like a dorm style university thing. And when in actuality, she like got there and it was just kind of a rundown place kind of, cause you know, as much as you don't want to say it, it was like government funded. Mm-hmm. And so it probably didn't get the like nicest treatment right um but she you know she was like uh I am gonna try to stick it out but within three weeks of being there she was calling her mom saying she just wanted to come home she hated it there she didn't want to be there and her mom being a mom was like well you know just stick it out it's only six months you're already so far into it like even Mm -hmm. with three weeks that you just stick it out. You're okay. But she also would mention to her mom how she wasn't feeling safe with some of the other students, um, that there were some that were quote unquote stalking her, uh-huh. um, going into her room, taking her things, harassing her. Uh, all of this came from a main, the main source, Krista Pike. So the reason for this is Krista thought or Pike thought, I'm going to start calling her Pike now, mm-hmm. thought that Colleen was interested in her boyfriend to Daryl. Oh, to Daryl. To Daryl. Um, according to a rumor, while to Pike D-Rail. was T. Daryl. <laughs> to Daryl. I, I have, it literally is spelled Ta and then Daryl no. too. So it's not a name. It's just interesting. It's not That's a all. name. <laughs> Um, so rumor has it that when Pike went home for Thanksgiving, Colleen and Daryl hooked up, uh, which Colleen denied, but to Daryl later on to Pike had said, well, yeah, it did kind of happen. So we don't really know what happened, but there's no proof in either direction other than just rumor. 
So Colleen's mother gives her some advice and tells her, you know, kind of just have to stick it out, keep to yourself, do your best and maybe go talk to like the guidance counselor, see if there's any way to like make it so you don't have to be near these people, whatever. So Colleen goes to the guidance counselor and talks to them. But also when she goes there, she's like, it just, she told her mom, it felt like no nobody was listening to her she goes Mm -hmm. I went in and I told them they're like oh we'll we'll see what we can do and that was all that came of it it wasn't like a let's put a plan into action here's some ideas of what we can do Mm -hmm. um thank god for Christmas break Colleen was very excited to go home and see her family for a bit she went to visit her dad for the two weeks which is not in Florida but went to visit her dad for two weeks and only had like a month and a week left of the program when she got back because it was only that six month program and she started in September. Mm -hmm. So she's just like came back. It seemed like she, it seemed like she had a renewed excitement about it because she's like, okay, I'm almost done. See the end of the road. Uh, Colleen's mother called her January 12th of 1995. The day before a body was found. Uh, her mom said she seemed confident, confident in finishing and that there was nothing wrong. Uh, and near the end of the conversation, Colleen had mentioned that she was going to go to Blockbuster and get a movie with another student. <laughs> Blockbuster. Yeah, I know. Doesn't this just date it? Um, and get a movie with another student and then just hang out the rest of the night. Like it was right. just going to be a normal night. We're hanging in. So guess who this person was that she was going to go to Blockbuster with though? Krista Pike. Yep, Miss Pike. Miss bitch. Uh, when Colleen got back from her break, it seemed like Pike, for whatever reason, had like calmed down. So that's why she was like, she "Okay, was planning on killing her." Yeah, I mean, I mean, to not like ruin it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, dun dun dun. Right. <laughs> But she stopped doing all the like accusations and harassing her and whatever. And so that day when she asked her, hey, do you want to just like go to Blockbuster and get a movie? Uh, Colleen was hoping maybe they could be friendly and end it on a good note for the year. So she was like, yeah, let's give it a go. Sure. Let's do it to it, Lars. Yeah, right. So when she goes to meet Pike, Colleen sees that to Daryl and another student, Shadala was there. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so Dara Shadala Peterson is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, this made her feel even a little less awkward though, because she's just like, there's more people here. It's not just a one-on-one thing. I was already feeling a little uncomfortable and just hoping to like bury the hatchet, you know, mm-hmm. but now there's more people sweet makes it a little weird, less weird. And so Colleen didn't know much about Shadala Peterson. She grew up in Cleveland in poverty and joined the job court to make a better life for herself. She genuinely was one of those people that just came in because it was the best option she had and she wanted to have more than what she did when she was a kid. Um, She was Pike's good friend in the program and that's about as much as Colleen knew about her. Mm -hmm. Uh, While walking to, I put BB for Blockbuster. (laughs) While walking to Blockbuster, Pike says that she had hidden some weed in Tyson Park that they were going past. And she's like, so let's go smoke a little bit and then we'll go to Blockbuster. You guys feel free to like partake. And everybody's like, all right, free weed. Cool. Mm -hmm. Let's go. 
And at this point, it's about 8 p.m. And Blockbuster closes. It was a weird noise. Um, and Blockbuster closes at 9. So it was kind of one of those things where as far as you can tell, Colleen's like, okay, well, we have some time, but this is getting kind of weird because they were walking and walking mm -hmm. and walking. And all of a sudden, Colleen, she must have gotten like a gut feeling and go, this is according to um, Krista, because she recounted everything that happened that night in great detail later. Um, of course she at, did. Right. At some point, Colleen turns around and goes, there's no weed, is there? That's mm. And that's how she approaches it. And Pike responds, no, there isn't. And then smirked. She's like, and I just smiled at her and said, no, there isn't. Uh, when Colleen asked why they were here then, Pike basically just said that she wanted to get to the bottom of the Tadero stuff. She wanted oh, to know what was happening. Sake. And Colleen goes, uh, I'm not into him. There's nothing happening. Nothing has happened. I don't have anything else to say. I've told you this over I and over and over I don't want any. Right. And this is Chris is telling, like, yeah, or Pike is telling, yeah. Uh, and she, she was telling me like, you know, I just, it never happened. She just kept lying to me, like whatever. And so Pike attacks her, like jumps on Colleen, punches her over and over and over again, kicking her when she fell to the ground. Colleen was crying and pleading for her to stop. Um, at some point she was able to get up and she starts running away. And to Daryl, the fucking knight in shining armor he is, trips her so that she can get caught but then pike yells at to daryl to start beating on her so he kicks her around a little bit so to daryl mm. is also just a part of it gross um once again colleen manages to get up at some point during this and begins to run pike then grabs a hold of a larger rock and throws it at her um it throws hits her in the back and she falls to the ground again once colleen falls to the ground pike pulls out a box cutter oh god mm -hmm. and i just think of all the box cutters in our garage right now and they're like partially rusty and like right they well, cut boxes really well but like well, <sighs> and the way that it, the like scene was detailed in the things i was reading it sounds like she just grabbed it and started like swinging slicing at her like not oh, even god. so they she just like cut her all up just swing, 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 swing. While she was doing this, though, Colleen was, like, pleading with her. She's like, I won't even go back to the center. Like, I won't go back to the dorm. I'll just start walking home to Florida right now. It's, I don't care. Stop doing this. I promise I won't say anything. Mm -hmm. um, this seemed to kind of work, though, because Pike said that's when she kind of, like, lost it and was like, stop talking. Just stop talking. Like, it was getting to her brain or something. But Shadala... This is when Shadala comes in, but basically tells Pike that she has to do something. You're too far now. She's, yeah. She's like, she's going to tell somebody she, she has to go to the hospital if she leaves right now. Mm -hmm. She's going to have to say something. So Pike says to Colleen that she's uh, not going to go to jail for her and continues killing her. Oh, for fuck's sake. So she's like, well, I'm not going to give this up for whatever, you know, I, it just grosses me out. Cause I can't imagine ever. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that you just like, 
how does somebody get to a point where they're just like, okay with doing that? Uh, Pike then tells Colleen to take off her jacket and her shirt. And from what Pike said, they told her to, she told her to do that because she thought maybe if her shirt wasn't on and she was exposed, she wouldn't run away anymore. So then she wouldn't have to worry about her getting up and running away. Can you hear me go? Yes. Shut up. We're almost done. (laughs) He just Um, went out like right before we started recording. He doesn't have to pee. You're lying to me. You don't have to pee. Uh, Pike stops again at some point. Obviously, this is all kind of a big blur uh, because she thinks that she hears somebody like somewhere right, in the distance. Right, because they're out in the park. Yeah. So Colleen tries to get up and make one more attempt with the last bit of strength that she had to leave and get out mm-hmm. of there. Uh, but Pike pulls out a mini meat cleaver. Oh, what, where is she holding all of these? I know. I'm like, what are you? Did you strap them on you? What's happening? Um, that she had brought, which she had borrowed from somebody, by the way. Girl, Why? I don't can't know. Can't even get your own fucking meat cleaver? Come on now. <laughs> this attack lasted for like 45 minutes. Oh my God. She was just getting slashed at and beat on for 45 minutes. Tadaryl carved the pentagram into her chest at some point. Um, Colleen was still alive from oh what- Oh my God. From what they could tell. Pike found a chunk of asphalt- and bashed Colleen's head in over and over again. (sighs) Later on in an interview, she had commented saying that she just wanted to keep hitting her until she could see the ground. Gross! Yeah. So Pike then took part of Colleen's skull as a souvenir of sorts and put it in her pocket. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, who who are you? And this is what's wild to me. This is her first, like... Murder. Yeah non like first violent thing that she's ever been charged with and or found to have done that's disgusting i uh, hate everything about this story uh, the three left colleen's body in the park and rinsed off in the creek nearby Gross. and then they went to a gas station to clean up a little bit more before they went back to the dorm yuck um the way they covered the blood stains. They said was they used mud to wipe over top of them, so it just looked like mud instead of blood. Like, oh, okay, well, cool. that makes sense. So they wanted to just look dirty, like they fell into the creek or something when they were at the park. I don't know. I don't know. They're all like seventeen, eighteen, fucking morons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pike. Like- Go ahead. I was just going to say the best way to not is to not. Yeah. If you could just not do that. But I mean, if you're going to do it, at least be smart about it. You fucking morons. Uh, Pike wasn't really good at laying low either. Of course not. Uh, She literally right after taking a shower when she got back from the whole situation. um, She came to a friend's room and told, told them that she killed Colleen just casual her friend said it was weird because she was saying it like so nonchalantly and so at first she thought it was just like a weird joke or a prank or something to see what she would do Mm -hmm. and but she kept just thinking about it she said over and over again because she didn't say anything because she was like that's a weird joke man like Mm -hmm. whatever what's wrong with you get out of here yeah but then pike pulls out the piece of skull oh my god and shows her Again, she's like, this can't be real. Like, this can't be real. 
nobody just does that gross yeah um okay you david uh so she doesn't report anything at that time and they go to bed because she was like that can't be real you're not Mm -hmm. no uh, the next day, Colleen's body was found by the groundskeeper. And during this time, Pike was in class and noticed that there was still blood on her shoe and points it out to a classmate. Like, oh, look at this. This is Colleen's blood. Then shows them the piece of skull, too. It's like, you're t- just telling people you want to get caught. That's disgusting. Uh, this person also thinks that it's a stupid, weird prank and it can't be true because of how open and casual she was being about it. Right. He's like, that's fucking weird, man. Okay, whatever. Um, right around 4 p.m., Pike goes to a third person and asks her to go to the park with her. Ew. So as from what I gathered, it seemed like she wanted to go and see if anybody had discovered the body yet. Um, because it hadn't been like announced Mm -hmm. but when they get there obviously it's taped off um it's thought that oh I just said that it's not that Pike wanted to go see it I'm just talking and then I Mm realize I'm saying the things that I already wrote um so Pike goes up to an officer and asks what happened and the officer said well we found a body and you know whatever basically trying to get information about it Mm -hmm. and rather than being like even taken aback or shocked which obviously, but to the police officer, rather than being like, oh my gosh, like, are, who is it? Like, what is, you know, it was more like a, so um, who is it? Do you have any suspects? Do you know any, whatever? It's in not... like almost an inquisitive and exciting manner is the way That's that gross. he put it. So the officer noted this because <laughs> fucking weird. Um, he actually had to ask those students to leave because they kept trying to walk the perimeter to see what was going on. And that Fuck just, hey, you weirdos. Shoo. A shoo. Uh, later, though, she uh, was brought back in for questioning because they found all the interest because of the tip, which I can't figure out whose mom called it in. And I was like, I wonder if it's Colleen's mom who was like, she's having issues with these people that are having mm-hmm. whatever, but it just said a student's mother in all of my sources. So I don't think so. Must be someone who didn't want to get named. But either way, um, because of that tip and they looked in the, into the log and so they knew exactly who they needed to bring in, like mm-hmm. within hours of figuring out who the body was. Uh, at 5 a.m. the next morning is when they brought them in because they wanted to make sure that they were at their dorms. So 5 a.m. they show up, knock on their dorms, are like, come in with us. Mm-hmm. Um, Pike's questioning was first, and she started by asking if she could. They asked her if she wanted to talk about the body that was found. And she said she'd like to, but she doesn't want to talk about the other people that may have been there. So she wants to talk about it, but she doesn't mm-hmm. want to like get to Daryl and shalanda in trouble mm-hmm. or sh- is it sh- it's an sh i am totally but yeah. either way it doesn't want to get her friends into trouble and so uh, she fully confessed and said that the murder was because she had quote-unquote issues with colleen and that colleen tested her patience and that she could sometimes get aggressive and in her face ew uh yeah i know i'm like 
okay from all the stories that everybody said it sounds like you were the aggressive and in your face one but Mm -hmm. whatever apparently she went on for like an hour detailing the attacks and the murder with like no emotion gross Uh, i feel like that's all i've been saying this entire episode gross i just gross you're gross. gross i don't like it uh the detective described it as like eerie like it was just creepy how she because randomly she'd go into like baby voices and whimper and try to make it seem like she was crying but she wasn't actually crying and you that's could the tell. worst i hate that <laughs> like did you watch the johnny Depp trial at all yeah oh fucking <laughs> then my dog what? stepped on a bee <laughs> what the fuck i'm Stop like it. i'm i'm like squinting at the tv like bitch you ain't even crying why are you breathing weird like i, I know just... and then she's like wiping her face like, like she what are you wiping tears there's nothing tears. there what are you doing <laughs> um but yeah so she's doing this like weird whimper baby voice like i've heard the um heard the interview but i haven't seen it uh so i just listened to the audio of it so i could hear this voice it's gross um she said that she didn't plan to kill colleen it was like but she brought a cleaver and a box cutter okay um first off my first thought she didn't plan to kill Colleen, but she was having like an out-of-body experience. I wasn't even like there, really. Um, I wasn't even there. It wasn't even planned. Except they, they asked, carried a meat cleaver and a box cutter. And right. That's my thing. Is I'm like, except you, you did. Nice try. Mm-hmm. Um, so they asked Ship and Peterson if they were involved to her, and she basically said that. They had nothing to do with it and that she didn't want to see anything happen to them and whatever. And they remarked about the pentagram um, that they know ship was into that stuff. And so where did this come from? Like they knew that that was a thing that he was interested in and she refused to implicate him. But when they interviewed to Daryl ship, uh, whose story matched pikes other than he admitted to carving the pentagram he's basically so this is something i didn't put into my notes because i read it after i had finished my notes so i was like oh i have to add it um he had said the week before to somebody that he somebody at the job corp that he needed to kill someone because the like planetary alignment was correct to do so and whatever and so it seems like he was also thinking that they were going to kill her, not just mm-hmm. there. And then Pike got out of hand or whatever. So that was another thing that they brought to court when he was on trial. Uh, but he basically said, yes, this is all that happened. Yes, I did carve that into it. It was kind of a, he said it was an afterthought that he, he's like, well, maybe we can do this and use it as like a, some sort of a sacrifice mm-hmm. i don't know jeez louise so shadala that's what it was i was like it's sh- i was missing a vowel um said that she had agreed to intimidate colleen and to confront her so that she would confess and maybe make her leave the job corps mm-hmm. like that's what they had talked about she had no idea that there was violence at all like planned is what she said she's like i had I didn't know, which kind of sounds right because the only thing she had to do with anything that happened other than like walking out there with them was saying like, you can't let her go now. 
Mm-hmm. Like she's going to tell somebody if you, th- if she's saying she's not going to, that's a lie. She has to go somewhere. So, right. I mean, do I think that's okay? No. Do I think she's a good person? Not necessarily, but I do think that she's, there wasn't premeditation in her brain. Right. Um, so two days after the murder, they were arrested and charged officially on first degree murder. All of them were, they charged them all. Mm-hmm. Um, ship was charged as a minor because at that time he was 17 i believe or yeah 17 um which made him not up for capital punishment and pike was charged as an adult because she was 18 and so she would have been up for the death penalty and shadala was ended up getting the charges dropped and it turned to like an accessory to murder and she agreed to testify at the trials and tell the stories to get six years on probation so she was she didn't have to do a lot of time other than like trial time fair enough uh her sentence ended in 2002 and she's been out ever since and no word from her so that means she's not Mm -hmm. questionable human (laughs) pike's trial began in march 1996 and it was a death penalty case so during this time during the time to the lead up of the trial, there was a psychic exam done and she was diagnosed with extreme and severe borderline personality disorder, which they think comes with her like attachment issues because all of her everything disappeared on her when she was a kid. She kind of mm-hmm. was left to her devices and to whoever was willing to take care of her for that night. Right. Um, so they think that that may have like sparked it. Uh after the trial wrapped up, it took two and a half hours and they came back with a guilty verdict and she was sentenced to death by electrocution, which made her the youngest woman to be on death row in Tennessee, I believe. That's, that's intense. Um, to Daryl was found guilty of first degree murder as well because of the, because of the testimony <laughs> saying that he had talked about murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. Um and conspiracy to commit murder and was sentenced to 25 years plus life for those two things. Uh, Pike swears that she is a changed woman and that she wants her death sentence to be commuted to life because she's still on death row. Um, because it isn't fair that people who did similar crimes, it isn't fair. Oh, it was me. Exactly. That's not fair, bitch. Um, I don't think it was fair for you to take a girl into the park and slash her up her. and kill her. So mm-hmm. it's not fair. Uh, but here's the thing, though: she also killed an inmate in in jail, like while oh. she was in prison. And she tried to escape with a pen pal, like with help from a pen pal and a guard at some point. So, like, are you really that changed of a woman? Like, why would so. we look at this and be like, mm, "Yeah, you're fine. You're changed." So on August 27th of 2020, Tennessee Attorney General Herbert Slatter, Slatterly, Slaterly, whatever, asked for an execution date to be set for Pike. Way to go, Big Herb. Um, with COVID, Pike's attorney was able to get granted extensions after extensions to argue that she shouldn't be executed. Fucking lame. Um, if Pike were to be executed, she would be the first woman in 200 years to be executed in Tennessee. So if they officially get a date and Friar. it happened, that's what I think. I'm like, clearly there's something not right. Like this, like I said, clearly her she first, 
first Friar. first violent thing and she's that violent mm-hmm. oh get out of here Friar. and that is the story of the unfortunate murder of colleen slummer and the crazy ass bitch krista pike obviously the other two not great sounds mm-hmm. like shadala was pretty pretty much surprised though yeah and then kind of just went with it because we're already here yeah like i don't know what else to do i mean still i'm watching you kill somebody right now so i'm not gonna be like hey stop that yeah yeah but i mean i might and just die right but some people don't have that conviction you know i don't know but it was one of those things that i heard like a little snippet of and i was like i have never heard of this the youngest woman on death row in tennessee ever and whatever well let's look into this so and see this Mm-hmm. and that job core is closed now i don't even know mm-hmm. that job core is a thing anymore it seemed janky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. when you said box cutter my brain immediately went to when we were at like one festival or something like that at a fair mm-hmm. and the crowd had like three or four uh beach balls that kept bouncing around and was annoying the shit out of us and Brittany whipped her box <laughs> pulled cutter. out her box cutter <laughs> I was just gonna say are you are you gonna tell a story about Brittany's box cutter that she yes. carried around that she carried a box cutter around and then she just whipped it out and popped it as a kid <laughs> like well well because it kept it kept I don't want to watch the ball I'm not here for that thank you either I watch for it or it hits me in the fucking head or somebody runs right. into me she finally, so and at the end of the night she had popped all of them it was amazing yep. <laughs> don't we're done we're done with this the third one was being in the in the hands of a girl behind us, in front of us in the beer line, and she just shanked it. <laughs> and the happened. girl was drunk and went, "Oh, <laughs> you made a mistake, huh?" <laughs> oh, good, good golly, Miss Molly. Good golly, Miss Molly. Good golly, Miss Molly. All right. I'm just swinging on my own little, little twist. Do the twist. Dude, I wish this was being videotaped because I look fucking crazy right now. You look with the way my arms are. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. I like it. It's like I look gangly. Yeah, you do. Uh, coming to get you. You're, okay. you're doing the twist if you were a zombie. I'm it's from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> What's, his, What's name? his face? Uh, Isn't it Christopher or something? Bill. 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 But, but, uh, something something like that. The zombie. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> now we're done with that. Uh, maybe. For now. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, okay. Side note. Yes. The first week of July. Oh, yeah. Should probably announce these things. In the following week of July. We will not have an episode. Yep. The first two weeks, Christina is going to be on the road visiting. On the road. And we don't want to have to focus on this. Sorry, guys. Love you. Sorry. Love you, mean it, but not right now. But not right now. We're just going to enjoy our time and enjoy our time together forever and bachelorette party. And I'm going to get a dress because I'm going to have to get one that day. There's going to be no ordering it. So. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I like something. <laughs> All right, guys. Spread uh, the word. Oh, spread your GD selves. You know what I'm spread saying? Your GD selves, man. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's summer. It's hot ghoul summer. <laughs> yeah. Be a villain. Let's it's not hot girl summer, it's villain summer. Let's ghoul, be the villain ghoul. you were born to be. I want to be a, a bridge troll. That's get off my bridge. You already are. It's okay, so am I. Kind of. I'm yeah, I'm kind of a get off my lawn kind of 33 year old person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.